That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, we are back here recording, uh, looking at uh, the third Sunday after Pentecost, also called Proper Eight in the very creatively mm-hmm. numbered Sundays um, in this ordinary time. Uh, but first, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, we are, um, you know, we're just, uh, you know, recording uh, and uh, we're in the, the, the early days of June. Kids are getting excited about getting out of school and, uh, you know, and I'm looking forward to vacation. Yeah, they're already out here in Waco, Texas. We uh, yeah. we, we have um, released the hounds earlier That's than good. I guess the rest of the country. But so parents everywhere are, are looking forward to um, to fall. <laughs> So um, I always find it kind of a relief just for the first couple of weeks. I agree. You know, not having to worry about getting them up. Like my kid, my son right now, like he had, um, they had their track and field day two days ago and he got his face painted and he still has like smudges of face paint from like three days ago on him. We're just like, just get to school, you know, so um, uh, (laughs) uh, they're slightly neglected this time of year. And so anyway, um, but um. We just reenacted uh, Braveheart at my house, so my sons, their faces are entirely blue in school. <laughs> so, but here we are, and we are in the summer. And uh, for those of you who have been following along, we're following along track one of, um, or excuse me, track two of our uh, lectionary, right? Or am no, I wrong? No, track one. We're doing track, track one. Track one. The I'm long so confused. I'm co- so confused. Why couldn't they just have one track for everybody? They're, they're but, a two-track um, mind. Nonetheless, here they're we are. And, uh, we are taking a look at what's... Yeah, we're taking a look and we're <laughs> continuing our uh, series where um, this one is kind of a bizarre verse, uh, chapter. It's, well, not bizarre, nothing. Yeah, there's a lot of bizarre things in the Bible. But uh, you have um, Elijah meeting with Elisha, and they're on their way from Gilgal uh, to Bethel. And uh, and there they are. And um, uh, Elijah makes a promise to Elijah, I will never leave you. And uh, there they are on their way to Bethel. Now, the lectionary, unfortunately, cuts out uh, uh, three very important verses, three, four, and five. And uh, a lot of people were like, well, what's what's the deal with that? Those are just places because it mentions Jericho and these places. These are, and the, the appearing of the prophets, the, the last of the faithful prophets telling Elisha that Elijah is going to disappear. And, uh, and uh, the point here is, is that, um, you know, Jericho and, um, and Bethel and all of these places, these are significant places in the life of early Israel, especially the interaction between Moses and Joshua. So Bethel is the first place where they had the first Passover, um, commemorated the first Passover when the Jews came back from uh, Egypt. Um, you know, there they are, they go to Jericho. This is the, the one of the, the key places where um, Joshua took over the mantle for, uh, for uh, Israel and proved himself as a leader of the people. So there's this shift, an important shift that's taking place here between the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha as he takes on his mantle. 
Yeah. And, and, and uh, kind yeah. of, you know, when you get to these historical texts, you, uh, you, it, it gets tricky and you're like, what the heck am I supposed to preach here? Like, what is going on here? This, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen anybody take off on a fiery chariot. I've never had to beg it for anybody for a double portion of their mantle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The point of this particular text, I think the preaching pivot here, is the idea that God never leaves his people uh, without a witness. God never leaves his people without a prophet. And, uh, and, you know, and the truth is, is that God will never leave you either. We're moving into the season, we're in the season now of ordinary time. And uh, this is kind of the ordinariness of life where people wonder, is God for them? Is God present? And the good news of the gospel is, is that God has not left you either. Um, um, although you may not see Jesus with your eyes, he has given you the promise of his Holy Spirit. Yeah, and there's, um, so there's a couple things going on, and you touched on this as well. Anytime you get near the Jordan River, you know something important is happening spiritually. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where you cross into the promised land, um, and anytime you're passing through water is a big deal. This obviously, um, you know, Moses leads people across on dry ground. Um, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. Um, so water is a big deal, and the Jordan River especially is a big deal. And I think one of the things that that strikes me just about God's character is that, um, by the way, I wish these prophets could have l- more different sounding names. <laughs> I know. If I, if it's they, like Stephen and Stephen. Yeah. If, if the, <laughs> I think the focus groups, when they were sort of workshopping this passage, they they didn't want to contradict the Lord, but they all were like thinking privately, um, I, you, do you think their names should sound more different? Anyways. And so uh, Stephen said to Stephen. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, yeah. It, anyways, so uh, the thing here, Elisha asked for this really bold thing. Like, I want a double share of what you got. And you got to give Elisha some props for the boldness there. Mm-hmm. And Elijah's like, that's hard, but, you know, maybe. And that's exactly what God gives him because he says, if you see me being taken up, then it'll be granted. And the, he does see him being taken up. So that means Elisha inherits this double portion. So picks up Elijah's mantle, sort of his shawl cloak thing. Mm-hmm. And he strikes the water and splits the water. Um, Another just image like of Elijah. Moses. Right. Just like Elijah had done. So it's a clear demonstration that Elisha now has what he asked for, the power that Elijah had. Um, and it's God's grace just in transferring this power from one prophet to another and through Elisha will will bless and um, guide and lead his own people. So so there's a there's a point here possibly about prayer and boldness in prayer and uh, God giving us things that we don't necessarily deserve but um, but because of his grace the wideness in his mercy as the passage says that's that's what we mm. see. So, uh, that's, that's uh, the passage from 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, the next uh, passage in the epistle reading is Galatians 5, um, which is moving ahead of several thousand years in, in the history of God's people. And now we're in the time after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, the early days of the church. Now, um, Paul is writing a letter to a community of Christians in Galatia, um, and he is beginning with this great verse, chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Yay, free, free, free. And then we skip down to verse 13 in the reading, and it says, you're called to freedom, brothers and sisters, just don't use it as an opportunity to be naughty. 
And then I'm yeah. going to tell you some ways uh, to not be naughty. Um, and then talks about don't be, don't be, no, no envy, drunkenness, <clears throat> or carousing. So there go your weekend plans, Jake. Yeah, I know. But um, the, uh, the thing here that a lot of people will hear is grace, and then the law comes roaring back in. God loves you, you're free, you're forgiven, but, but don't get crazy. Um, it's sort of like, uh, you know, have you seen that um, comedian who plays Bonquiqui on Mad TV? You know, welcome to King Burger, where you can have it your way, but don't get crazy, which is what a lot of sermons are like. It's sort of the gospel, <laughs> but then the law comes back in uh, just as the door is closing um, to, to um, make sure people don't get out of line. And so people will mm. hear this that way. You're set free, but don't don't do these things. So how would how how would you preach this so that you're not leaving people in the law, but leaving them with the gospel? Well, so um, once again, uh, in this particular passage, context is absolutely everything. For freedom, Christ has set us free, and uh, the point being there. The next line: stand firm. Uh, and uh, therefore do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I mean, one of the issues going on here in Galatians is that they don't have, and this actually is uh, test, this testifies actually to an earlier dating of Paul, like, I mean, what Paul is kind of fighting here is people are like, you know, what do you mean all we have to go in into the synagogue and hear about, like, do this in remembrance of me, do this in remembrance of me? Where are like the tangible tangible signs like we need the log and we need sacrifice and all of this and and uh and uh and jesus uh and paul is like no stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery do not this yoke of slavery um is relating to god in terms of tit for tat and uh and thinking about god in that in that regard in order to earn it now yep. uh there is this other side where it's just like i'm gonna go totally freaking nuts. You know what I mean? And sometimes you do see that. And uh, and this is the, the next session beginning on 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Now, uh, people want to like turn that and turn that now into the checklist, you know, and like constricting. And uh, what Paul is saying here is, is that um, the idea, but through love becomes slaves to one another. So what, ha you know, don't, don't use this grace as an opportunity to stand on top of someone in order to squish them with your own needs. But actually this grace, this freedom actually calls us not out of obligation, but out of love to think of others more important than ourselves. Yep. And, um, you know, and uh, this is kind of um, what happens is that when, when um, like no law is total, complete anarchy, you know what I mean? The freedom is, uh, is, is follows the law. And so if however you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Like it's, uh, he is, this is just um, man, like antinomianism just is, is equally not as good. Yeah. And I think he's got something sort of, yeah, he says, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's explicitly saying, don't go back into legalistic Christianity. Mm -hmm. Don't go back mm -hmm. into the law as a way of earning God's grace. So you are free. So he's trying to get people out of that category, those two categories of no law or all law. And he's saying there's something different here. There's something called the life in the spirit. The um, life in the spirit. That's, yeah. 
And it, I want people is, to hear we're not talking about balance. Like, I yeah. want to make sure yeah. that nobody hears what I'm saying is I'm not talking about balance. Like, oh, you know, but we do have to do it a little bit. Like, no, 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 no. What, what Paul is talking about here, and this is why the, the uh, verses 2 through 12 are so important in this text, is that, like, and he's telling people, don't be like, like, this isn't about you. Like, life in the Spirit doesn't isn't like me, 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 and I can do whatever I want. Uh, life in the Spirit is... Um, Gosh, such a great thing has happened to me. I've yeah. been set free and uh, it pulls you up outside of yourself. You know, it's not like, oh, so you're saying I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I am saying what I can do. You can do whatever you want. But but what you want has completely changed. I was, right. um, I, you know, I'm always concerned major about my weight and uh, and it just never seems to, to go off. And so I'm always uh, watching videos and looking at fad diets. And there was this one, you know, Penn and Teller, the musicians, yeah. uh, the magicians yeah. in Vegas. Well, what's uh, Penn is the big one, right? And so, Gillette, uh, Penn, yes. yeah, uh, so he has this, I mean, amazing. So it's like, look how Penn lost all of his weight and he ate what he eats, whatever he wants. And I was like, that's amazing. I need to figure out how I can eat New York slices of pizza all day long, what I want and lose weight. You know what I mean? And, uh, and he tells this amazing story about how, you know, it was basically, he was going to have to have his stomach stapled. And he was like, I have no respect for people who want to be in moderation. I, you know, he was like, I wasn't worried about my weight or how I looked. I didn't even care about how I felt. It was, they were like, you now have to have your stomach stapled and go on this crazy blood pressure medicine. You know, this is, and uh, and so he was like, well, what's the other extreme? And, uh, and they were like, well, it's this crazy potato diet. And he talks about going on this potato diet. And uh, through that, like his taste buds were completely changed. And now he's like a vegan. And, uh, but this is the point, is that grace comes in and it changes your taste buds like pen. And so now he can eat whatever he wants because what he wants is raw vegetables all the time. I don't know why, it's the potato diet thing, but like this, the potato diet functions as this gospel word that has changed his cravings. And, uh, and this is what St. Paul is saying in the previous diet, is that this, for freedom Christ has set us free, has literally changed on a profound level our cravings cravings and our cravings are no longer for ourselves or and because even trying to do the laws for ourselves our cravings now are for the sake of our neighbor and i think we just got the title for this episode jesus is like a potato <laughs> yeah, um, that's right the uh, <laughs> The, I think, you know, so Paul in verse 17 acknowledges that what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. And he's kind of acknowledging that simul justus et peccator, simultaneously saved and justified human and a sinner. Those two things are going on with us. And, and he's acknowledging that that battle continues to exist for us Christians. And, um, and, and again, he's not saying so go back to the law as a way to control the flesh, because he's actually said in other places that all the law does is inflame those desires and inflame what the flesh wants. So the more you go to legalism, the more you're going to see the kinds of things that he's about to list in verses 19 through uh, 21, where he lists kind of all the things that come out of the flesh. The law will make those things worse. And so what he's saying is live according to the Spirit, Get, which is another way of saying get rooted again in the gospel, get connected again to what God has done for you, the freedom that you have. Have your heart changed by the potato mm -hmm. of Jesus, like your taste buds, and mm -hmm. um, and then you'll find the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit comes not through mm -hmm. um, 
the tree trying hard to produce fruit. It is something that happens naturally. Um, and um, Nadia Bolds Weber, who's a, I know a friend of yours, Jake, and a controversial figure uh, among some in the church. And but I think uh, she has said, like many of us, things that. Uh, people don't agree with, but I think she's also said so many good things. And one of the things she's talked about uh, recently is the way Christians tape fruit to their trees. We can't produce fruit on our own. So a lot of Christians go around pretending to have fruitful lives. And so we just, you know, grab a peach and try to tape it to the tree, but it's not come out naturally. And so, um, don't preach this passage in a way that you just make people who are taping more fruit to the trees. You really just want to preach the gospel, the freedom that Christ has given you, the freedom in which you now live, the love that you have from the Spirit. Uh, and uh, and and then um, the fruits of the Spirit look like what Paul describes in verse 28. Um, yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience. It's really key, too. That, I mean, that point that you hit on the Samuel Eustace part of this passage. I mean— as a Christian, you are still going, like, you know, this whole idea, like, obviously, if you have impure thoughts or licentiousness, idolatry, so, you know what I mean? You know, obviously, you you know, those are works of the flesh, and you better check yourself. No, no, no. These, these will emerge as the old Adam still exists in you. Um, and uh, the good news of the gospel and what needs to be preached when you hit this part is that the blood of Christ covers it all. The, the yeah. problem here is when people think one of two things. One, the blood of Christ couldn't cover that. Or this doesn't matter. Um, you need to see, these, this is a big deal, you know what I mean? Uh, but it, nothing is too big that the blood of Christ can't cover it. Um, and, and yeah. so, and when you see that, then, you know, your taste buds have been changed once again. Uh, the potato yep. of Jesus has come into your diet <laughs> and you, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, because he who loves much, um, he who has been loved much loves much. Yeah, I totally want to get a Mr. Potato Head set and like yeah. put a beard on it and a little robe. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the, I do want to say one thing about verse 21 in this. As I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is one of those verses that people use to just smack people over the head and threaten them with hell for doing bad things. Um Usually they just focus on the fornication part or licentiousness. Nobody ever talks about quarrels, dissensions, or church splits, a.k.a. factions. No one ever threatens church splits with going to hell. We tend to just pick the sins that we like to talk about and not the sins that we like to do, which is to be angry at people who don't agree with us. So, but anyways, this passage, I would say, verse 21, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We always hear that as you will go to hell. You will not Mm. go to heaven. And it's important to remember how Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. He never meant it as some far off heaven place where we're strumming harps and walking amongst the clouds. The kingdom of God is the reign of God in your life, the basileo toteo, the, 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 what the world looks like when God is in charge. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is here now for those who want to be in it. And so what he's saying here is if you live according to the flesh, your life will look like this and you will not be manifesting or showing or receiving the blessings, benefits, the peace that comes with being in a full relationship, fully um, spirit-filled, peace-living, abiding in Christ relationship with God in the here and now. So, I think it's important not to over eschatologize, I don't know, to, to make this yeah. too much about future stuff. Um, and I think it's about 
how we live now. This is not threatening people with going to hell. Yeah. End of rant. Well, and, uh, you know, in the kingdom of God, indeed, is um, what you said. Uh, I love the Greek quote, um, is that it's God's people under God's reign in God's place. And that is Jesus Christ. And uh, that yep. is who we've inherited, um, his yep. righteousness. And uh, and it's all because as we move into our gospel reading, uh, Jesus um, uh, uh, set his face to go to Jerusalem. Uh, whenever you see that in Luke's gospel, this is a reference to um, what he is going to accomplish in Jerusalem. And so yep. that needs to be your lens as you read this text. Yep, it means he's going to die. And it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, this is Luke 9, starting in verse 51, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, which means he's he's getting ready to to, to die. This is the, the the drumbeat of going to the cross. And so what happens in this passage is he's passing through a village of the Samaritans, and he asks his disciples to go ahead and get the room ready, make a reservation at the Motel 6, and maybe get some uh, supplies. And um, they come in, but the Samaritans reject them. They don't want to receive Jesus because it says he was going to Jerusalem. And the disciples' response is, let's open up a can of whoop-ass on these guys and show them who's boss. They don't want to receive us. Well, we'll uh, bring down fire from heaven. They say, Jesus, do you want us to bring down fire from heaven to consume Dropping them? a little Daenerys Targaryen on them. Uh, yeah, so, no, uh, it's yeah. like road rage. It's like, let's just destroy the, You cut me off in traffic? Yeah. I will ram your car. I would, let's mm-hmm. let's all go down. So, um, but Jesus rebukes them. And so there's something interesting here because um, if Jesus were an enforcer of the law, it would be exactly right to call down fire on them mm-hmm. and consume them. First of all, they're Samaritans, which means they rejected the Torah. They don't worship in Jerusalem. They worship at the wrong place. Um, and uh, they're sort of um, theological half-breeds. And they've also, these are the people that have, they were Israelites, but they... Um, uh, intermarried with non-Jewish folks, and uh, there's just uh, a lot of reasons Jewish people don't like Samaritans. And uh, and more than that, they reject the Messiah. Jesus mm-hmm. wants to come and bless their village and stay with them, and they they reject him. So, it would be totally appropriate if Jesus was the new sheriff in town to call down fire from heaven, and Jesus doesn't. He re- Instead, he rebukes the disciples for their lack of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because he's, he's going to Jerusalem to solve the sin problem that everybody has. The disciples think that there's good and bad people, that the Samaritans are bad and the Jews are good. And Jesus sees that everybody is a sinner and everybody needs the the forgiveness of sins that he's just about to go um, uh, accomplish on the cross. Yeah, this is also a very powerful because this is um, this particular passage ties in with the Old Testament reading um, because uh, just a couple of verses earlier, um, so uh, Jesus, um, G- there's the scene of the transfiguration where Elijah appears on the mount and um, is confirming Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophets. And if you remember, Elisha carries on that uh, the ministry of Elijah in the Old Testament. And so here Jesus is functioning as the greater Elisha, as a person who's got nowhere else to go. You know, the mm-hmm. one Elisha 
leaves his family. He leaves everything and uh, to follow Elijah. And uh, here Eli- um, the new Elisha is coming and uh, he's got nowhere else to go. He, like, you know what I mean? No place to rest his head and all of this, all of this stuff. So there's a, a lot of connection with that as well. And yeah. so um, um, Elisha, who functions as a new Joshua, um, kind of opening a can of whoop ass everywhere he goes to, this is like, this is different. Yeah. And I think, so one of the things that's going on in this Luke passage is that there are a bunch of examples of people who don't quite get it, people who are not quite good enough for the Lord. So the Samaritans reject Jesus. The disciples don't get that Jesus is merciful. And then you have these, they go to another village, they're going down the road, and they have these three encounters. One with someone who wants to follow Jesus, but you get the sense that he doesn't quite get that Mm -hmm. following Jesus is hard. Um, And then you have somebody who wants to go uh, follow Jesus, but wants to go bury his father, um, which actually means I want to go and continue my career till I get successful enough until I can afford to buy um, Mm -hmm. a tomb for my father to properly bury him, probably across the Kidron Valley on that hillside where Gethsemane is looking at the... um, looking at the temple so that mm-hmm. at the day of the resurrection, he can see the see the Lord. Um, so let me go bury my father. It's not like my father is dead and I need to go bury him and get a shovel. It's I need yeah. to go work enough to buy A couple enough. years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and, he, and then the other person says, I'll follow you, but let me first like say goodbye. And Jesus says, no one who puts a hand at the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So all these mm-hmm. things are people who, like the Samaritans, like the disciples, just don't quite get it. They kind of want to follow Jesus, but they're also conflicted in their priorities. And what's amazing in all these things is it just is hammering home this idea that none of us are fit for the kingdom of God. Yes, it is true. No one who puts his hand at the plow and looks back is fit. And that's all of us. We make this idea that there's some people who don't look back and there's some people who do look back. But as this passage indicates with the disciples, with the Samaritans, and with these three conversations, everybody's conflicted. Everybody is simul justus et peccator. And this is why Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem, because if it's up to us, we're always going to be looking back. Um, We're always going to be, I love Jesus, but, you know, let me have this own private compartmentalized area of my life where I do my own thing and the Lord can't see it. Anyways. No, that is great. That's a great insight. You know, it's really funny. And uh, the um, we do this thing called, I don't know why it is every time I talk today, um, the sirens go on outside. We but should anyway, rename uh, the podcast The Sirens of New York. <laughs> so, but uh, um, here I am talking then. They just went, you were talking Back and there's thought. no sound. But then, <laughs> so, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, so we do this thing called Your Church. It's kind of like our newcomers class. And um, uh, last Tuesday night was our third of three where we talk about how you can be involved and uh, all of this. And um, just kind of like one of uh, she's she's part of the pattern and the, the backdrop of New York. Kind of a crazy cat lady came in to the class and um, helped herself to all of the food. Was kind of a disruptive with crazy questions during our like um, kind of our like dinner time where we you know people can ask the clergy whatever they want and then we give a talk after that. And she, this lady dominated all of my time and I knew I would never see her again and I was extremely extremely frustrated. And uh, and then um, I gave my talk and of course the only person with any questions is the crazy cat lady and it's significant she's got her hand and she's waving it in the air so that everybody can see that I don't want to call on her um, was she and, waving uh, it like she just don't care yeah so anyway I called on her and she goes she says 
I have a question. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Clearly. And she goes, she said, she <laughs> says, I have been told that the best way to have a relationship with God is to think about him all the time. To think about him in the morning when you get up out of bed, to think about him all day long, and for him to be the last thing you think about as you go to sleep. Is that true? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like, everybody is about to watch the demonstration of the distinction between law and gospel happen right here. And yeah. I said, um, I said, yes, it is true. Uh, you are to think about God every second of the day. You are to pray to him 100%, 97% will not do. And I said, but the problem is I don't do it. I don't think about God all the time. And that's a problem. And that's what the law says. But the gospel, the gospel says that Jesus is thinking about me all the time. Jesus has laid his life down for me because of my failure to think of him. And because of that, um, I will follow him wherever he calls me to go. Because of that, while foxes have holes and the son of Graman didn't have, I have a place in heaven. And, uh, you know, and it's this, and I will follow you wherever you go. And she goes, thank you. And then anyway, in the back, this dude who's been kind of like <laughs> floating said, around our welcome. church for like two years, he goes, oh my God, I finally get it. And he like <laughs> completely articulated the law and the gospel, the distinction. And I almost cried. And that like, right when he said it, this lady got up and walked out of the church. And I dude, was like, I was, was like, an angel. I was like, cheese whiz and crackers. We have been entertaining angels tonight. That's right. And uh, indeed we have. But that, that, is, that is what you preach on this passage. We are all divided. Um, we are all divided people. But Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem, and he's not divided about you. He yeah. is 100% for you. And uh, you, because of him, will inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, I think that about does it. So, uh, I feel like I've been to church, Jake. Thank you. Uh, any of our listeners, if you're in New York, go hear Jake preach. Thanks. And so, well, it's good to see you guys, and I'll be looking for the cat lady, but I don't think I'll ever see her again. I really do believe she was an angel sent from the Lord. So, and uh, until this. next time, we will, God bless you all. Hasta la bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. It's